Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Romans 8, 1-17 Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit? Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life, because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 17. Thanks. Hi everyone, my name is Andrew, and today I'm going to be talking about Romans 8. In particular, the back end of the chapter, which is verses 12 through 16. Now I think that these verses, they provide a lot of insight into what it's like to live life through Christ, and I'm super excited to get into that with everyone. Starting in verse 12, it says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, I urge you, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature tells you to. Now, in this verse, the word obligation really stuck out to me. So when I'm talking about this passage today, I want you to think about what does the word obligation mean to you? As many of you know, I go to Trinity Western and I play basketball. And although I'm there now, the decision to go there was never really that simple. For me, Trinity has been considered a family school. My three sisters went there, my brother-in-law went there, and my dad was a professor there. So oftentimes when I was growing up, I felt a sort of obligation to go there. And so when I was finally presented with the opportunity to go somewhere else, I took it with open arms. After high school, I went to Victoria and I played basketball out there. 
And although I was away from home, I was also the furthest away from God that had ever been in my life. And even though I was far away from God, I also felt free, free of the obligation from my friends and my family to do something that they wanted me to. Eventually, when I decided to come home, it was a decision that I made not out of obligation, but what I felt was out of choice. When I finally came home, I felt closer to God. And now I'm not saying that when you, when you go to a Christian school or you go to Trinity, you're close to God. But what I am saying is that sometimes God uses decisions in our lives that will seemingly bring us away from him and he will use them to bring us closer to him. See, when I think of obligation, I think of having to do something or the need to do a certain task a certain way. And I think as soon as you're free of that obligation is when you're given a choice. And in this verse, I think God is saying that 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 choice is the Holy Spirit. Now in verse 15, it says that we have not received a spirit that is of a fearful slave. When I think of a slave, I think of someone who's confined and trapped to a room or, or has a very restricted life. And oftentimes I think of people and my friends and family around me who have had to quarantine in the last year. It's the two weeks where you're stuck in your room and you're going crazy. And I know if I was something I had to experience, I would lose my mind. But one thing I love doing with these people is that I watch them and they take that first step outside when they're finally allowed to leave. Suddenly the hometown that my friends have been complaining about our entire lives is not so boring anymore. And that's because they have a breath of fresh air. They've taken that step out. And I think that's exactly what's happening in this verse is God is saying that he is now giving us the opportunity to have a breath of fresh air and to have something new. God is not a master. He doesn't give us a life that is restricted, but instead he gives, he gets rid of that spirit of the fearful slave and instead gives us the spirit of a son of God or a daughter. Now moving ahead, my favorite part of this verse is verse 16 when it says, this spirit joins with ours to affirm that we're God's children. Now, although the, the decision to, make, to follow the spirit is a very independent one, I think that it's important for me to understand and for all of us to understand that the decisions we make afterwards are not independent, but made with him. And that's exactly what this verse is saying. Although welcoming the spirit into our lives seems hard, I think it's actually the easy part. The difficult part is then feeling free of that obligation from ourselves and from others, or the obligation that we may put on each other. God has given us the freedom to choose, and in that freedom, the choices we make also provide an opportunity for us to become closer to Him. God is our Father, and we are, in many ways, His free child. For me personally, when I hold on to the truth about who I am, through God and the Holy Spirit, there is no longer the feeling of being trapped, but instead, it's the feeling of freedom. And I think that anybody can really achieve this freedom as long as we ask ourselves the question on if the decisions that we're making are being made in the Spirit of God. There's, once you may ask yourself this question, there's a feeling of freedom, and you are not only free, but you're also inviting God to help you make decisions with you. I think in closing today, I want to ask everyone the question, is there something in your life that you feel obligated to do? Now think, is that obligation something that is affirming yourself as belonging to God, or is it simply something that is feeding into the spirit of the fearful slave and confinement? Thank you.
Good morning. My name is Sue Charles. I am Pastor Jason's mom. This is such a privilege for me to share and be part of City Collective. This morning, we will be focusing on Romans chapter 8, verses 6 to 9. And I would like to speak on peace with God and peace of God. It says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. When you hear this verse, maybe you're like me and you say, I guess that makes sense. But what does it really mean by peace with God? Peace with my husband means I'm making him a delicious dinner. No peace with my husband means he may have to cook his own dinner. When we accept Jesus and place our trust in him, that's when we make peace with God. Jesus reconciles our differences and separation from God. Along with peace, he offers us the gift of the Holy Spirit who comes and takes residence in us. This indwelling of the Holy Spirit helps us to experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. Peace with God helps me to discover the peace of God. This is the peace you and I get to experience as we walk in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. As a banker, I have worked in the banking industry for 22 years, and for me, this peace with God is present in me, is like having it deposited into my bank account and having it available for me to withdraw anytime and enjoy to the fullest. I can remember an experience where I was able to withdraw that peace with God in a situation where I really needed His comfort. When I was pregnant with our first child, it was, in fact, Pastor Jason. My pregnancy was going so well. I didn't have any health issues. I, no morning sickness. I was active. I was able, I was able to go to work but until my, my third trimester, I found out I had chickenpox. I was devastated. I didn't know what to do. I was scared, filled with fear and emotions. Since my husband Joseph and I were followers of Jesus, we began to pray protection for the baby. I can confidently say that we both felt the presence and the abundance of peace that only God could have provided with the help of the Holy Spirit. It didn't make sense, but I found this well of peace that I needed desperately to walk through the storm of my life. My deep fear was overwhelmed by his well of peace. Then the same day I had called my physician and explained my situation. He also gave me the assurance that the baby will be fine. It is evident that when we go through trials and storms in our life, we have access to this peace through the help of the Holy Spirit. And I have discovered that life without peace leads to cold, dark, fearful days which we know leads to death. There's no place to go for peace, 
happiness, refuge, or security in that life. Life without peace is life without God. And living without God is not living at all. One of the first things I remember about the day when I received Jesus was the sense of peace that, that filled my heart. It was as though someone had lifted a heavy burden from me. And it wasn't until later that I learned about God's promise of peace to everyone who trusts in Him. He has given it to us as a gift. And even though I didn't know it, that is exactly what I had received, peace. Church, the world is hurting. Our friends, our families, our co-workers, maybe more than ever before. And I am convinced that we are in desperate need of this gift of peace. We need the Holy Spirit. We need this deep inner peace to flood our souls. We need the peace of God. Where does that peace come from? When I was pregnant and feeling fear, I didn't have to perform to get this peace that I, that I needed. I, all I had to do was accept it, which was already given. That is to place my hope in the death and resurrection of Jesus. I find peace in the person of Jesus whom I place my hope in. And I want you to hold on to that this morning. You might be uneasy. Put your trust in Him. You might be overwhelmed. Put your hope in Him. This peace doesn't come from what we are or what we do, but from what God has done for us. Peace is now our promise we can hold on to. My prayer this morning is would you place your trust in Him? Would you receive that free gift of peace? It has transformed my life and I know it can transform yours. Thank you. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Ezekiel, and today I have the privilege of opening God's word with you. Um, I'll be speaking from Romans 8, verse 1 to 4. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for yeah, this opportunity you've given us to open your word and to learn more about you. I pray that you would speak through and to me, Father God. I pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive what you have to say to us. 
Um, yeah, thank you so much for this day. And yeah, would you be with us? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to start by talking a bit about my past, my experience, um, about nine years ago now. At the age of 10, I received a great opportunity to experience the lowest of lows, um, go to a refugee camp because there was a war in my home country. Um, and I don't know if you've seen pictures of refugee camps, but I, like, I will just let you know, it's not where you want to send your kids for a good summer. It's very, very, very hopeless, painful, and not where you want to be. We went from having two meals a day to one. It was very a hard life. And I remember the first night being there, crying as I laid on the ground, basically, telling my dad, I don't want to be here. I want to go back. <laughs> the good old days look a lot better than this right now. I don't like this. Get me out of this. So I want you to think of that pain, that hopelessness, that weight, and apply that to your spiritual life with in condemnation. See, I think if we want to understand that verse, there is now no condemnation for those who have, for those who are in Christ. We have to understand condemnation. And that's what it is. It is a painful, hopeless darkness that just allows us to not see the light in front of us blinds us to what is good. Let me read this. From a standpoint of semantics, it can be referred to either the legal status of liability to punishment or to the actual infliction of said punishment. Biblically, this is what it, uh, Paul puts it this way. Ephesians 2 verse 1. As for you, as for us, we were dead in our transgressions and our sin. In Romans 6.23, he also tells us that the wages of sin is death. So, if you put that all together, condemnation. I said it's darkness, it's painful. It's receiving the death that we received because we deserve because of our sin. I'll say that again. Condemnation is receiving the death that we deserved because of our sin. So if you, I'll help you, let's put that lightly. In that refugee camp, physically, that was condemnation for me. <laughs> it was not a pleasing moment in my life. It was, it was very dark. And it, it did not, it was painful. And I know that you have been there before. You have definitely been in situations where you did not sign up for this. You God, this here, mm -mm, I choose something a lot better. I choose her life. I choose his life than this right now. But Paul tells us in Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation. See, through the refugee camp, one thing that my family and I always did was to keep up the hope was one day, we're gonna get out of this. One day, we're not gonna be in this camp anymore. We're not gonna be in this country anymore. These people are not gonna disrespect us anymore. And I remember one day coming after school, my dad set us down and he brought to us the news that changed our lives forever. He told us, y'all, we're getting out of here. <laughs> and that, I see if you know some black people, you know, we love to dance. So the whole family split some music. We started dancing. It was a great time because we knew that what we knew as reality was no more. It was not going to be a reality. And I think that is what Paul is telling us today. So rejoice church because you are free. See, there is now no condemnation. You do not deserve the death. You're not going to receive the death that you deserve because Christ paid for that. You are now free and that should well up a joy. A, su a supernatural joy that wants to, that gets you dancing, that gets you excited that, hey, 
I am free and I'm loved by the God of the universe. And that is the good news of the gospel. That Christ came to set us free from the stronghold of sin. That's what it's all about. That you have been made new. So be encouraged by this news that you are free. And let that bring you joy. I want to end with this. See, what would it look like if we actually believed this good news? Because like I said, that good news that my father brought us, it changed our lives forever. And that's exactly what Paul is bringing us today. That we are free. You are free. Yes, the situation may still look the same, but you are free spiritually. So what would it look like if you actually believed this truth and walked in a way that does not resemble condemnation at all? What if this week you position yourself to receive from the Lord what he wants you to how he wants you to walk condemnation free what would it look like if your life was without condemnation well Paul answers that question for us in Galatians he tells us it's there is joy without condemnation there is love there's peace the self-right the self-control there's righteousness so I implore you this week in your quiet time Position yourself before the Lord with open hands and say, Father, what does it look like to live a life without condemnation? And I know he will show it to you because he speaks to us through his word, through conversations. He will show you how you can live a life without condemnation. Because that's what he wants from you. Freedom. You are free, church. Let that be the anthem of your life. Thank you. Hi, welcome. My name is Tanil, and I get the privilege to share with you what I believe God has been telling me in verses 16 and 17. So, first off though, I know that some of you have gotten to know me over the past few years, but have I ever told you what I was like before that? I had asked a few friends to describe me, and one friend in particular um, had said that I was standoffish, incredibly quiet. Apparently I had a chronic resting unhappy face. <laughs> and people were nervous to approach me because they thought I was mean or scary. So much so that a few people had actually approached this friend that is now my stepsister and best friend. Um, had said, wait, you're friends with her? I laughed. I could not believe I was such a menace. Because reflecting with my friend, I had realized I was so wrapped up in how I didn't fit that I did everything possible so no one would realize it. So, have you had an experience where you didn't feel like you fit? How did that affect you? Maybe you became reserved or shy, became someone that you're not. Maybe you became angry or anxious. Now for me, I became incredibly insecure and uncomfortable. I didn't know how to talk to people or, or want to, so I avoided it to such a degree that my youth girls had actually 
dragged me down the hall, like kicking and screaming um, by the feet to go and talk to people. I had a rug burn and all. <laughs> but I was so busy trying not to be seen or recognized that I was an outsider, that I didn't see the value in myself or anything outside of myself. The only thing I was confident in was that I didn't seem to fit into the Christian world. I bring up confidence in these verses because I see it so highlighted. Paul is saying you are one of God's children, adopted forever. The Holy Spirit testifies of it and the heavens declare it. You are accepted into this family. In verse 17, it continues just to paint that picture of a family when it says we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If we share in the glory, then we share in the sufferings. This just brought to mind like my family. Um, we have gone through lots of conflicts and trials, but we've also become so much closer because of it. Because we had been in the dark, we now celebrate and um, enjoy the light so much better. So if you call yourself a Christian, then regardless of what you or your siblings in Christ are like, know that God wants to reassure you of your adoption. Paul, actually, had to constantly wrestle this idea into the church because they wouldn't accept random newcomers or outsiders into the promised blessing through faith alone. So would you say you're confident and certain of your acceptance? Because there's a big difference between knowing it as a comforting thought and actually believing it that it shapes our everyday choices. Once we accept this as truth, then we can start operating out of a place of assurance of who we are and who we belong to. We can show up confidently anywhere naturally because there's no more competing or comparing because we're all part of this messy but beautiful family. Now what is amazing is when I moved here to BC, I then discovered this confidence and it has transformed me. I am no longer dragged into situations, but rather seek them out and thrive in them. Um, I constantly am looking for opportunities to strengthen my faith or build up my relationship with God. I look for different situations to meet new people or new opportunities to make friendships. Sometimes I'm dragging other people's with me as well <laughs> to go and meet people with me and they don't necessarily like it, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> now what I've found is that confidence can be caught with the right ingredients in place. When I recognize God's confidence in who I am to Him, then I can catch it and it starts a fire in me. But I need to be willing to stoke that fire and actually hear what God is saying to me, that I am seen, chosen, and forgiven. I need to also feed this fire with the fuel it needs, His Word. I need to hear it and have it exist in the air as if it's the oxygen my fire needs. So I surround myself with the people I know and call friends to remind me when I forget. Now, I struggle with this sometimes, like even doing this five for five, like I didn't think I had the confidence to do it, but it's so cool because God can use us regardless of how big our fire is. We can recognize and be confident in the Holy Spirit's work in everyone around us, drag them a little bit like my youth girls had, 
until the friction ignites a fire in them and they can catch their own confidence. So my prayer is that we will realize that we belong to him, that we hear his declaration and repeat it until it burns inside of us, that we will find new ways to write it in our hearts and fill the air we breathe, that we'll start actually listening to what he's saying and start trusting in his promises, that we will be confident in the Holy Spirit's work in us because he is so faithful and he will bring the heat. Thank you. Hi everyone, my name is Anthony and I have the pleasure of serving on the City Collective team as co-worship lead alongside Dan. Today, I'm going to be speaking on Romans 8 verse 5, so let's read through that now. It states that those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So the first question I have for you is this. What is the ultimate goal of being a follower of Jesus Christ? A nice person? Someone who prays a lot? Somebody who can find the Bible verse the fastest in a sword drill? No. I would argue that it is to grow in our relationship with God and become more and more like Jesus. Now, maybe the bigger question is, how does one actually do that? I think the verse we just read provides us some insight. We need to live in accordance with the Holy Spirit. So let's break that down. Accordance is a word that we can often gloss over, so I want to swap that with the term in step. We need to live in step with the Holy Spirit. When I think of that phrase, I think of dance partners. Not me, mind you, but professionals. As the lead moves, the follower also moves. There's no hesitancy or delay, otherwise it breaks down into clumsiness and awkwardness, and the beauty and grace that was intended falls apart. Rather, the lead and the follower need to be in sync with each other throughout, and the follower needs to completely trust in the lead and their movement. And this begins to paint the picture of what it means to live in accordance with the Spirit. It's trusting His guidance and listening to His promptings as we set our minds on what God desires for us and the world around us. So some of you may be thinking at this point, well, that sounds great and all, but what's the catch? Well, I think the verse also breaks this down as well. The problem is that those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. There's a cycle to this issue. As we have our minds set on what the flesh desires, we live according to the flesh and vice versa. Now, as some of you know, I'm a high school math teacher. And as soon as I say that, you're, most of you are going to be thinking, man, I was terrible at math. And while life as a teenager may look totally different than when you were in high school, that mindset still remains. So picture this. You're back in math class again, and I post a little problem on the board for you to try out for yourself. You have one of two options. One, you can actually give it a try and see how well you do. Or two, 
you can sit back and wait for the teacher to inevitably write the solution on the board. Which one were you? Did you try it? If so, you had a way higher likelihood of succeeding in the class. If not, what stopped you? We could talk about a couple of reasons. One of them being a lack of trust in the instructor, the other a fear of failure. Either you think the teacher wasn't worth listening to and should be ignored, or you are worried that you're gonna struggle with the problem and still fail at getting the correct solution. And this right here is what inhibits us from breaking free of our cycle of living according to the flesh, a lack of trust in God or being afraid to fail. Now, think back to when you first started to learn how to swim. Did you learn by watching people on the side only? No, you had to get in. You had to learn what it was like to be in there. Were you able to swim perfectly right away? No, you struggled a lot as you tried to learn your stroke and you gasped up for air. So why did you actually go in? It's because you trusted the swim instructor. He was there to make sure you were going to be okay. Was he gonna let you struggle? Yeah, absolutely. But he was gonna be there for you every moment you're in that water. God is our great instructor. He's trustworthy because he literally made us and knows us through and through. Psalm 139 says that he knows us and our inmost being. He literally knit us together in our mother's womb. He knows what is best for us. And so we have to trust that what the world is offering us, what the flesh is offering us, will not fulfill us nor sustain us. So he invites us to live in step with his spirit. But we often live in fear of failure, paralyzed with inaction and unable to see the point in trying, just like that math student who didn't realize that trying the problem and failing is actually where we see our most growth. Fear that we won't be able to live in step with him, that we will be misunderstanding or we'll wait too long or we might even simply not listen. But God is there with us. A swimming instructor does not abandon us when we are struggling to learn how to swim. Rather, he is there to support us, holding us up so that we can continue to learn and understand what it's like to swim. For as we struggle, as we are weak, God's strength remains all the more as he supports us in our journey with him. To desire to be in step with Christ is to be okay with failing and knowing that his strength will show all the more. So I'll leave you with this question. Will you stand at the water's edge, afraid to get in the water, or will you get in and learn to be in step with the Spirit? Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.